0: Yo, Shots
1: fire for sake,
0: fire. for toxic.
1: You shots, FIRED
0: shots fire, shots, shots for fox sake, fire, shots
1: for toxic, you shots, fired, shots, fired, you know shots We're
2: back! We are back in your live shots fired with myself, Michael Morgan, and my co host with the most. It's G. What's going on, G? What up?
1: What's going on?
2: Well, it's all about you. Now that you're here, the the, the show can begin. And Roman Chisanga. What's good, people? How are we all doing today? And finally, last but by no means least, Motown's finest. Look at him! He's got he's got he's got abs and pecs and everything out for show. It's a man like Kairos. How's everybody doing? Okay, well, to kick things off, um, we, as always, will be bringing a topic to the table, and the topic I'm going to bring to the table this week, and we're going to spin the bottle on who goes next because you all normally we uh, we know which order we're going to go in, but we're going to freestyle it today. But I'm going with the recent shenanigans that has occurred with Diego Sanchez and his coach, Coach Fabio, Coach Fabio. Now, the way that I look at it is this. Everybody who is close to him that could have actually had some kind of intervention, staged some kind of intervention, has not had the opportunity because he's pushed them all away. Anybody who bad mouth says something uh, terrible about his coach, his manager, his mentor. They get a sharp shrift. Now, with that born in mind, I wanted to pose this to you: if we could, us four, stage an intervention with Diego Sanchez, what would we say to him? And no. I'm going to start now. Let's just imagine. Let's just imagine that he's going to be listening to this audio or quite possibly if this is uh, the snippet that we use for the, uh, the teaser, what is it that he would be hearing from you? And I'm going to start with G.
1: Oh, oh my God. Um, that's, that's, wow. Um, if I was to have an intervention with Diego Sanchez, I yeah. wouldn't think that I would be close to him if I was in that room and doing that with him. And I would say I'm the type of person that would probably tell him that I loved him a lot so that he could just, you know, like he I think he has to know that people outside of Joshua really love him and that they've always been there for him. And, you know, like they're always going to be there for him and they have his best interests. So I'd probably be on some loving tip, you know, like, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, you, just come up, you know, like. I would turn into mama and start nurturing him and just be like, I love you regardless of what happens, but just know that we're here to help you. Whether you take it or not, I'm always going to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Next up, Kairos.
3: Now, are we all giving this advice back to back to back, Tim? To or is it just my advice and that's it? Too?
2: No, no. Back to back to back. Okay, that's good. CG gave
3: the, gave the loving wholesome um, it's time for tough love diego and here's the fact of the matter your weird ass is what got you this far in the yeah. sport and that's a great thing what you've done is great like you defied the odds you fought multiple weight classes above what you should have been fighting and you had success there the ufc actively tried to stifle you They made you fight your training partners because you kept winning fights that you should have won you were pro- you were right 110 but listen man you have actively shut out so many people from your life that actually care about you because the fact that he's gotten this far with Joshua and the shit that they've been doing proves that he doesn't have anybody in his life that's close to them anymore because of his antics and because of his whole mentality. And guess what? You aren't good enough to be doing that shit. As a person, as an athlete, as it's over. You need to have that back in your life right now. Those people can help you and you can help them. And you doing this, it doesn't make you a martyr. It doesn't make you brave to do this on your own. It doesn't make you this alpha male. It makes you a coward. Cowards are people who actively don't want to face issues that are present to them, who actively look for excuses or ways out of it. And I'm not saying that he's doing that, but him being around Fabio for this long is just, it's just, this. It, he just looks like a sad, broken man. I pity that person because they really do not have someone in their life that that is going to tell them the real shit. And the real shit is that man is fucking a con artist and he's fucking you over and he's ruining you. He's the reason why you are out of the UFC right now. Not all the other shit. He is literally the reason. Him getting up there, talking that bullshit, talking that nonsense to all those people. And that's why you're at where you're at. And then for you to continuously have him ruin your career and not do something about it is a problem, you either need to fucking retire or you need to change some things. Cause he's not going to, he's going to be doing the same thing he does. If you end up dead in that cage or if you live to see another day. So Diego, you got to fucking get it together or you're not, you might not be around for much longer. You might be a cautionary tale. You already are actually. Wow. Chisanga.
4: Well, I'd I'd be somewhere in the middle um I think both approaches are are warranted and, and, and valid in this situation because it is it's a very delicate situation it's almost like Diego has got a very very serious case of Stockholm syndrome that he's been abducted yeah. by Joshua and now he 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 adores him and you, you see that he eulogizes him at every opportunity that he gets but I think we've like like Kyra said you've just got to you just got to be upfront. You got to be straight, and you got to tell them. Look, all these people that have cared about you have now have now left because they've reached their their wits end. Because this man has come in and uh, he's he's got his tentacles into you, and he's he's influencing your every thought, your every, your every move. And you've what you've got to do, you've just got to look at it objectively and realize that you are no longer in the UFC. The the your home for when was ultimate fire season one, since 2004? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2004, Yeah, 2004, 2005. So you're home for nearly close to 20 years. And now essentially your Diego, your mixed martial arts career is over because no other mixed martial arts organization is going to pick you up at this moment in time. No, at this. No, I, I not at this moment in time, no other mixed martial arts organization is going to pick you up whatsoever. Scott Coker initially didn't, uh, didn't didn't turn down the uh, the prospect of signing in but after doing some research and he was told a, a prize of the situation he flat out said no so that's mm. one of the other biggest mixed martial arts organizations in the world saying no one championship won't sign it bare knuckle boxing won't sign it because that's that damages their brand well, yeah. further and their brand is teetering <laughs> Let's let's just say that. I'm not saying teetering in the, in the bad sense, but in public perception is teetering. So Diego, just, you- Oh, so now only only go, G, I'll, I'll let you interrupt.
1: I just hope he has like a support system so mm-hmm. that like, as he's with Joshua, if he ever breaks away, those people need to have a home to come back to. Exactly if you see, I don't, you know, mean to bring this up, but like R. Kelly survivors, their parents were always there, whether you blame them for what happened with them, but their parents were there to welcome them back with open arms. Like you have to have a support system in place for him so that like when he does leave Joshua or, or if he's thinking about it, people are still there supporting him and ready to take him back. And I think that's really important. And I hope like he has a support system, even though he's cutting people off, I really hope he has family. That's still just like, they're still there for him.
4: Uh, I hope so. And you like that, that raises an interesting point. You haven't seen anything from like Diego Sanchez's family members. I know he has, he has a daughter. I I believe, I think I was calling his Instagram, like he, he has family. So yeah, where are ex- they in this situation? Like where, where, where's his other half or if he's not with uh, the, the mother of his child, um, well, yeah, she. Well, even even still, she should be voicing her concern, even if they're not together, because this is the father of your child. So, right. but, like you say, gee, I hope that there is some sort of support network. And that was a, it was a good comparison that you you raised, uh, mentioning that the R Kelly thing, because I remember watching it, and the parents they knew that their kids were under the spell, but they were they were just parents, and they were like, no matter what, when you want to come home, you come home, and we'll welcome you with open arms, and we'll do whatever it takes to get you back. And I hope, I hope that that happens. And I, I, I'd like to think that in the mixed martial arts community, that, that would, that would happen. But I'm, I'm just skeptical because that also, that would also raise the possibility of him fighting again, which is something that he clearly shouldn't be doing at this moment in time.
1: I don't think he is. I don't think any organization is going to sign him because Joshua Fabian. But I think also he would have Trump, maybe bare knuckle if Joshua wasn't around, because he's really not that competitive anymore. And he's slow down. So and he's kind of expensive. He's not he has a name. So I don't think he would be that lucrative right now, even without Joshua. But with Joshua, his brand is going downhill with him by his side.
4: It's sad to see that he's been reduced to the, the butt of jokes. It, it, re- it really is the, uh, a pioneer, a, a legend, a man who he won the ultimate fighter, in middleweight. Like, let's, like he's, as Kara said, yeah. he fought so many weight classes and such a fan favorite and fought for the title, lightweight title against uh, BJ Penn. And just to see his career reduced to this, to see his legacy reduced to. And I mean, there are fans of the sport who aren't old enough to know. Who, who Diego Sanchez was in in his prime, and what, uh, what an entertaining fighter he was, and what uh, yes he was a unique p- person, and we all found him a bit quirky. But now they just know the the crazy guy that's being influenced by this this Jim Jones character. Literally, it's Jim. Maybe yeah. it. Diego Sanchez has, has drunk the Kool Aid, the Joshua Fabio Kool Aid, and it hasn't killed him yet. And I'm touching wood that doesn't happen because
2: I fear for his. Is well, his physical safety and his mental safety. well-being, his mental well-being is definitely being compromised. You can see that in just the kind of like puppy dog way in which he's like malleable material in Coach Fabio's hands because it kind of like leads me back to this intervention that we've all um, been charged with delivering. And, you know, the only thing I would add to what you have all said is to bring him back to the memories and to bring him back to where he's come from and the cult status, the legendary status that people actually hold him in because of that. And one of the striking things about uh, Diego Sanchez was, I really do feel he was at his strongest mentally, his most impenetrable mentally, when he, I suppose, spoke loudly about his faith. Now I'm no Christian, I'm no follower of Jesus, but it was in that period that it always brings me back to strong-minded Diego Sanchez, determined Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Somebody who was on like a, a real path because he felt he was backed by Jesus. So I suppose I would remind him of that. And the fact that instead of following Fabio, he needs to follow Jesus.
4: Yeah, no, I have, I've, I completely, completely agree with you. I have no, no, no grievance with that, with with that statement. Like, I mean, look, like I'm, uh, I, I'm a, Ro- a Roman Catholic, but I'm never one to to push religion on anybody. I, I want people to, to, to believe what they want. Obviously, like, uh, like you say, I'm, well, I'm going off in a bit of tangent here. I'm a Roman Catholic, but I'm a progressive Roman Catholic. I see sense. Mm. I see holes in oh, holes in religion. So. I'm not going to push my religion on anyone but in this case with with Diego Sanchez when we saw that he's mentally at his best and he was physically at his best I'd I'd, I'd like you say I'd, I don't know how the best way to remind him of of uh, those good days would be just well, show him videos or what have you but just remind him and just ask him to mentally go back and to remember how he felt during that during that time, and see if it can trigger some sort of reaction in his brain, and an awakening to the situation that he's currently in. One hundred
2: percent. So, moving on from that, that I've actually brought to the table, I'm gonna spin the bottle, and where does it land? Chisanga.
4: Oh, sh- no, as I'm getting my juice, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys. So. As we as we talked about, I think uh well, it's been a while since we've all been on together, actually. Yeah. It like, must have been about three weeks or, or something. It's good to it's good to see your black asses. But um, <laughs> going back to UFC two sixty-two and arguably the the biggest name in the crowd was a Mr. Nick Diaz. And Dana White said in the post fight press conference that he was gonna have a meeting with uh, Mr. Nick Diaz to discuss uh, a potential return to the octagon we talked about it a couple of weeks ago we all said that well, we voiced our concerns and wh- whether we were comfortable with Nick coming back and Dana White did an interview with Brett Okamoto talking about the possibility of Nick coming back and for me it seems that Dana is not willing to pony up the cash for Nick Diaz to return and I've got the clip teed up i'm taking a page out of mr michael morgan's book right now i'm I'm gonna play this uh excerpt of an interview dana white did with brett okamoto and let me know your thoughts on it and let me know if you agree that it seems that dana white is not willing to pony up and pay mr 209 what he's worth i'll play it now a few other uh non-262 topics to talk talk about um, when you were down there in Jacksonville, you said that you were going to uh, you were going to leave the arena and you were going to go have a, a meeting with Nick Diaz. How did that meeting go with Nick in Florida?
0: Yeah, it went good. I mean, um, my, my whole thing with Nick Diaz is I just question how bad he really wants to fight. You know what I mean? Um, we got together. We had a great conversation. Talked about you know a possible comeback for him. I just uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out this summer and and the rest of this year. What's giving you pause? What makes you think that he might, he's saying he wants to come back, but maybe he's not. Just the amount of time that he's taken off already. When you hear him talk about fighting, when you hear him talk about the sport. um, And I I sit down daily or talk to daily Mm. hungry, young savages that want to, you know, break into the top ten, become world champions, all that stuff. You know, and 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 Nick Diaz has done it all, seen it all. He's been in big fights. He's he's he's. he's I, I just don't see that in him when I talk to him.
4: Mm-hmm. Right, guys. Now, <laughs> if you will take one look at Nick Diaz's uh, Twitter page, which for years he's been very very, which has been very very dormant, you will see that Nick Diaz who a lot of us thought had a car crash interview with Ariel Hawane. I think it was it was in January, in January 2020, or may, may, maybe it was after that, or what have you. Nick Diaz wants to fight. Nick Diaz has got himself into arguably the shape of his career to return to the UFC and to, well, just have some fun fights by, by, the, by the looks of things. It doesn't seem that as if he wants to come back and fight for a title. He just wants to do what if what he's been bred to do so (laughs) what is your reaction to dana white saying that he doesn't see the hunger in him which i think is gaslighting 101 because the hunger is evident and i'm gonna go to the man i can see in purple mr kairos bugler
3: dana always says that punk ass shit when he can't get you for free you ain't got the hunger yeah. Nah, you just aren't willing to accept fucking poverty to fight for me. That is literally all that man be doing. Every single time I hear that, shit, I'm just like, oh, really? They don't have the hunger. Motherfucker, you don't have the ability to pay him. But um, if I'm going to be honest here, he's looking, I think that he's looking at it the wrong way, too. Let's just say that was the case, too. If he doesn't have the hunger, he doesn't have the look or the talk of being someone who wants to be in the top five. And he doesn't. He, that's the truth. He's not here to fucking be a world champion. He's here to put on a great fucking fight and make fucking money. So why is it that that is just a foreign concept to a man who's the greatest promoter ever? The guy that y'all worship, the guy who y'all think is the greatest, like, oh, my God. I just if if we're just being honest here, I think that Nick Diaz needs to keep doing what he's doing and go out into the press too and be like, listen, I want to fight badly. I don't know what they don't be like disrespectful and ruin that shit like Fabio did for Diego. But like, just speak up for yourself, too, though. Because people want to see him back. And they definitely will watch him fight Masvidal. They'll definitely watch him fight like a whole bunch of people. So he just, if he wants it bad enough, he has to like, Mm -hmm. he has to do more than just like meet with Dana privately.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Mike, what are your thoughts? You know, there's an element of Pavlov's dogs in what Dana does and how he treats fighters. Mm -hmm. Pavlov's dogs, if you don't know about the famous experiment, is where... The famous doctor, Pavlov, had several dogs and he trained those dogs to react in a certain way to certain stimulus. Maybe a bell. They started salivating. They'll know it's time for dinner. It's bell. The bell. Bell's ringing. He's doing that with fighters. He knows when he says the words young, hungry, leaves out the word cheap. You pop up like a Pop-Tart in a toaster. You are ready to do his bidding and to get in there and perform for Dana because you'll always be getting the opportunities. You'll always be getting that constant pay because obviously the more you fight, the more you get paid. But the key (laughs) thing is you show him that you are loyal, just like a dog. And he's perfected this down to a T, so much so that I'm really considering, and I'm not saying this in any way to jest or japery or to have a laugh here i'm thinking of buying several hundred pounds worth of ufc shares because this is the pattern this is what is going to keep the share price going up if he can propel the wages the way that they are at the moment static incremental change for some but by and large the new hungry young fighters won't be getting what they're worth And that in turn actually keeps that shareholder like myself, as I say, I'm going to, I'm really seriously considering being one that keeps me happy.
4: Geez. G, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I think this is just basic Dana one on one. You know what I mean? Like, um, he's lying. I just don't think he wants to work with uh, Nick Diaz. You know, I do think like, Nick, the Diaz brothers are expensive. Dana never really seems excited to work with them in the first place. He's not their favorites. I think he knows that fans want to see Nick Diaz fight and there's lots of fights out there for him. And I don't think Dana gives a shit. It's just, he doesn't need him. So, and he's he's not gonna say that. He's just gonna kind of put the blame on Nick Diaz and be like, he doesn't have hunger. And why would he pay Nick Diaz so much money when he has the Mm contender series? these young savages that want to fight for him for far less. And Nick, Dia- the DS brothers are not easy to work with and they're expensive and they need special treatment. You got to give them. I'm sorry, I'm a DS fan. But if you want to have fun fights with them, you give them someone that's going to stand and bang. And they have options. I don't want to see Nick Diaz mm-hmm. fight. But even today, I saw earlier Nick Diaz versus Dan Hardy. They're not going to wrestle and they both haven't fought in a while. You know what I mean? Like something, the UFC can do something with them. I don't want to see it. And I'm just throwing that out there. I saw it earlier, but you can give him some matchups of whether he wants to avenge the Masvidal lost fine, but there's other fights out there and Dana's not having it. And he's not telling the truth.
4: One theory that, that I have, and I'm, I'm not saying this is... Let me preface this by saying that this... I'm not saying this is definitively the case. But I'm wondering, Dana White, he always comes out and he says, this, in particular when talking about the Diaz brothers, that they're always offered their three contractual bouts a year. Now, given Nick, well the, the way that he's talked about Nick Diaz not having the hunger or what have you or whatever, do you think that he... Possibly hasn't been offered those bouts over the years, and maybe that he's doing extra big, bigger payment because of it. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. Because Dana White says that he has to pay you if he doesn't offer you three fights a year. That that's that that's the rules, and I, I don't know if Nick Diaz has been offered three fights a year since when did he fight Anderson? 2015. I can't
1: remember. Yeah.
4: It was a okay. Little- it was, a long, it was a long time ago, so I don't know. Maybe maybe some extra monies do. I don't know. This is just me surmising. I'm not saying this is the truth before anybody takes these quotes and yeah. says, the journalist says that Dana White is in debt to Nick Diaz.
3: I think that Dana's offering these fights, but in these fights, it's like, motherfucker, no. I bet you Dana's like, Hamjat Shamayel, January 1st. Oh, you don't want that one? Okay. Jeff Neal, <laughs> February 2nd and the last one, like no he's like steven Wonderboy. like it's like fights like bro why the fuck would i come off of an eight-year hiatus to fight these motherfuckers and not get my fucking aspects like no yeah. no like shit like that like so I'm, I'm sure he's offering him fights that are reasonable but it's yeah. like it's not fights that are feasible for him like why would i or it would be like let's say nick wanted to go back to 85 or whatever and he's like all right achmadoff like bro like, yeah. why Why would anyone... say t- No. So I'm sure that he's telling the truth, but it's like, you're bullshitting too because you know what you're doing by doing that.
1: Yeah, sure. that's my special treatment, Kairos. Like, you can't just throw him in the mix. You have to give him a certain fighter. And Dana is not doing all that and paying him more money and dealing with a DS brother. You know, like, you, yeah. you have to... Like, Carlos Condit or Robbie Lawler. Like, you have to give him, like, a, you know, a fun matchup. And Dana's not really trying to do that for him when there's people that he can work with easier, cheaper and for less, mm. you know,
4: but is the juice not worth the squeeze? Because Nick Diaz returning is going to do well North of, well, f- I'd say it probably do close to three quarters of a million pay-per-view buys Nick. Diaz, if you put him in the right match, if you were to put him in against Masvidal, that they'll do a million, 100%, a hundred mi- percent, a million plus. But as you say, I don't think he's willing to make that sort of investment. And, we talked about Diaz brothers being expensive. I just looked at Nick Diaz's last purse to fight Anderson Silva. He got a cool half a million dollars to fight Anderson Silva. So I don't know if he wants to be stumping up that type of cash, plus potential pay per view points for Nick Diaz if he's coming back and headlining. So potentially, well, that that that's that's my thoughts. That like you say, I don't think he wants to. Yeah, I don't think he wants to give him the 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 payday that he deserves. I think.
1: And if Dana pays one star the payday they deserve, then he has to pay all of them. So uh, I think of course. Mad, sure that he does not pay these fighters because then you have to set a precedent. Everything changes. That's why John Jones is not fighting right now. You know what I mean? Like we have no news on him. You know, like it's it's not happening anytime soon. I don't think, unfortunately, that they'll get their worth.
4: All right. That's me done and Mr. Nick Diaz. Who's
2: next, Mike? He did that man dirty. Okay, let me spin the bottle again. Spin the bottle, son. Okay, G.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Damn, I want to go last. But okay, so I am here to discuss the breaking news that hit MMA media today. And also, I'm cheating. I have notes, but fuck y'all. You know what I'm saying? So Anthony Johnson was arrested after his successful Bellator debut last Friday. Apparently, he had a warrant for his arrest because he had used someone's credit card without permission last year. So with that being said, Anthony Johnson's past has to come up in this conversation. Okay, so I did my homework and here's what I got. Okay, his past is that in 2009 he was arrested for domestic assault in which he pled no contest in 2014 he, acu- he was accused of assaulting a woman, but the case was dropped by the victim. In 2014 another woman called the police on Anthony for stalking her in the parking lot of her job when he arrived when when the police arrived Anthony left so she didn't press charges. Um, in 2015, he got into a verbal altercation with a woman at the gym in which he removed her yoga mat, cursed her out and threw her belongings across the gym and basically scared the living shit out of him. Okay. I got more. Then four years later, he was arrested in 2019 when he grabbed his girlfriend at the time, put her in another room because she was packing to leave him to move out. They were having a verbal altercation about her leaving him. So she called the police on him and he was arrested for that. And now an unidentified, third party has now accused him of identity theft or credit card fraud, which is basically using someone's credit card without their permission. So, fellas, here's my thing. I struggle with Anthony Johnson because I really like his interviews. I think he's cool as shit. He talks about his grandma. He smiles. He's handsome. He smokes weed, he likes to eat when he's not fighting cause you know, he puts on all that weight. He looks like he's eating good. I would be cracking jokes. When him and John Jones played that um, prank on Dana White when they was acting like they was gonna fight each other but then they didn't and Dana looked like he's gonna have a heart attack and they dapped each other up. I thought that was hella cute. And then not to mention Anthony Johnson is never ever in a boring fight. And we always have a lot of fun with him win or lose. So. Fellas, how do you handle someone like Anthony Johnson? How do you handle someone that seems so nice, but it's so fucking scary in real life? And I'm going to start with Kairos, because look at your face.
3: (laughs) That motherfucker is a menace to society. I'm dead ass serious. Like, I don't give a fuck how he talks. Like, I don't. That man is crazy. Like, we're going to look back and he's going to be like the Lawrence Taylor of him. For for those of you who don't know, Lawrence Taylor is a fucking psycho. He was an yeah. NFL. He was an NFL player who just he got into so much fucking trouble, but never like did serious prison time. Like the motherfucker was out of his mind. I think that's Rumble. Rumble to a T. It's like oh, he's so charismatic when he speaks with this mother. First of all, the first question I have is this: He's using someone's credit card without their permission. I thought he was getting paid before he was fighting. Why is he stealing people's credit cards? And is he is this, he's just doing some fucking? I'm a criminal. I'm gonna do some criminal shit. Or is it I'm broke and I'm trying to do this criminal shit? That's the it- first question. I'm.
1: It was a warrant from last year. So last year in Connecticut, coincidentally, in the same place where Bellator 258 took place, he used, (laughs) I'm going to assume a woman allegedly, don't put that in there because it seems like every time you get in trouble. So I think he used Shorty's credit card and he tried to make travel plans on it to go to Newark um, Airport. And she filed or he or she filed a complaint on him, which is a police report. And now he has a warrant. So when he fought at Bellator 258, he got picked up for that shit. So I don't know if it's like, he did it last year. So I think the Bellator show pay did hit direct deposit. I just think this is something that caught up with him. But um, I agree with you, Kairos. Um, I, he scares me. And it, what scares me too is that he is so charismatic. And that's how abusers are. And people should, you know, take note of that. You know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously his, his, his record speaks speaks for itself but it's it's, but it's like it's like you say you can't associate how he conducts himself in public with the crimes that he is he's committed or is alleged to have committed it's just uh, they they don't assimilate really because obviously he was a guest on the show last week last week and he's, he's a lovely interview lo- like lovely fellow i've interviewed a lot of people during during my time as a journalist and i can tell people who are who are shitbags or are scumbags but You can't can't with Anthony Johnson. You can't whatsoever. And I mean, as for Bellator, man, can you just...
2: Your Your Honor, can I take the stand? I won't allow the honourable gentleman for uh, Chelmsford, Chisanga Malata, to uh, besmirch the podcast in the way that he has. Anthony Johnson was never my friend. You'll recall that I waited nine hours oh, shit. when I was in Stockholm for an interview. You'll remember how disdain or how much disdain I have for this man. Yes, you, Chisanga Malata, had a fantastic interview with him. It was like two old friends. It was like real, recognized, real. And that kind of like made me have pause for concern when I saw what transpired with this man because he's clearly a wrong as they say in the UK. Mm-hmm. He clearly is bad breed as they say in Jamaica. This is a man who is smiling on one side and he'll hack you down as soon as your back is turned. If you are a woman specifically, I think it was the right honorable Trent Ryan who tried to warn us not to be so happy clappy for this man's return. Mm-hmm. Not yep. to let the wolf back That's into fun. the hen house, but yet we didn't listen. Well, I certainly listened because he was never my friend.
4: Okay. Uh, well, I shouldn't have said friend of the show, uh, but just a guest, recent guest of the show. But yeah,
2: like you say, it's a good interview, by the way. You 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 and him, you could tell the rapport was there. You, you I don't know what you bonded over. I don't know what transpired before the, the, the cameras or the- <laughs> You and him got on like a house on fire.
4: You and him. I'm just, just a nice guy, man. Like, just a nice guy. Well, now nah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you about this other interview later. Like, I was, I was going to put a fighter on blast, but I'm not going to put him on blast now. But, uh yeah, it's, like, I mean, w- w- how does this look for Bellator, man? But, like, I, I wonder what happened. I wonder if, like, obviously the uh, Connecticut PD, I'm sure there would have been some sort of flag on the system when Johnson, like, checked into Connecticut or – because I assume he flew, obviously. So. I wonder what the protocol would have been because obviously they have the bubble, the COVID bubble. I wonder if the police went maybe with midweek through the bubble and were like, well, we, we need to take him into custody. Then maybe I've, I i do not know. I'm just surmising. I'm just surmising. But can you imagine if it was like the day of the weigh-ins and then
1: the police show up and then like, nah, we need to take yeah. this guy. Like, God. Oh, Why man. don't? Uh, one more. Let me sneak one more question in y'all with y'all. Why aren't more fans struggling with, liking him or disliking him I just feel like folks are just like ignoring this yeah but no, like, no. as he's coming back everyone's like yes Anthony Johnson's coming back and meanwhile I'm like am I excited because he's a knockout artist yeah but he's a he's a scary man he assaults women why are we like is anyone else struggling with this and why no, do you
2: think- no. As- MMA is the haven MMA is the home MMA is the mecca. For second chances, actually third chances. I mean, come on, look how many would fill the rogues gallery in terms of how many times that we gave them a pass, how many times we've overlooked things. We yeah. know the names. I mean, Conor McGregor springs to mind. The fact is the fan, the MMA fan has selective amnesia when it comes to, I suppose, Criminal activity. Let's just call it what it is. When it comes and to when it comes to doubtful How- moral aspects to people's character in MMA, we love to look past that shit. We yeah. love to be the last person to recognize it. We love to be the first person to give them a first, second, third, and fourth chance. No, yeah. you're right.
4: You're right. And. Uh, th- I, I think that's also a problem that you can attribute to combat sports yeah. in general, Mike. Because obviously, I mean, look at Mike Tyson; he was convicted of rape uh, back in what, whatever year in the nineties, and people just pe- people forget. Like, I mean, I mean, it's. I'd say combat sports is a very, very forgiving circle. Maybe it's because of the the nature of the of the endeavor or, or what have you. But I I don't think we should we sh- we should be so well. Uh, well, I'm, I'm kind of torn. Yes, you should be. Forgiving to a certain extent as a human being, of course, but when people have done, when there's a like, for example, with Rumble, when there's a, a repeated pattern against of uh, of harm coming to women, you've got a you've got to draw a line in the sand, and you've got to just call, call it as it is. And shout out to Trent Winesmith for doing that, and he received a lot of flack, a lot more than than he usually does. But it was a pertinent question to be asking and a point to to raise that. The fact that fans, uh, like, as you say, to the, the use the term that you said, have amnesia when it comes to the transgressions of many and in particular the transgressions of Rumble.
0: Mm.
3: But I don't think it's just combat sports. I think I think sports in general is a mecca for second chance because there's a lot of people who have gotten second chances for some bullshit, like some straight up crit. Like I'm not going to say what he did, but Ben Roethlisberger, people know, look at the shit that's going on with Deshaun Watson. Look at the shit that happened with, some people who play for a certain basketball team. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some shit that just gets blown under the rug just because you could fucking score on fourth down or that you could fucking knock someone unconscious. And it, it's not right. It's not fair. It's not just, but I think it'd be foolish of us just to like keep it insulated to our sport because it's around, it's everywhere. Let's fucking up. anyone who has influence or notoriety or power is gonna be given those shots. Should they be given those shots? I think it's case by case basis, but with Rumble, I think that man has a way too many opportunities. I think that motherfucker is, he's not even taking time. He just exploded again last year. He put on this whole front of him being a chains person. I'm a humanitarian. Look at the fucking shit I do. My grandma had me wheeling her down. I bet you he probably pushes his grandma down the stairs. That man is fucking nuts. Like, bro, <laughs> any organization having him working for them is, at, is in a serious, like, that's a serious part because he's not going to stop it. You just know the type. You know how everyone looks at John Jones like when's he going to fuck up again? That's literally how I'm looking at Rumble. I'm like, when is he going to fuck up again?
1: And to be honest with you now, it's like because he's been arrested so many times and he's always just dealing with women aggressively. I'm just starting to think he's playing up to the cameras now. This whole the grandma thing, the smiling, the being nice. That's not who he really is. Who he really is is his criminal record. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like anger issues. So it's you know that's that's why I struggle because you put him in the cage he knocks someone the fuck out but I, I just can't really advocate or really really care for this dude at all.
4: I know and then it, it comes back to um, co- conversation that we had in in the DMs of separating the artist from from the art obviously not an art but mixed martial arts, obviously in this instance but can you can you do that and I won't bring up the comparison that we brought up because it's I don't want to. Go down that hole because it was a it was a it's, it's, it's a big one for us as African Americans, and I'm sure people know who we're alluding to at this moment in time. But there comes a point where you have to put aside a person's skills and just recognize the person that they are and the crimes that they've committed, and they have to take precedent. And I mean, we're well past that point with 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 Anthony Johnson. But I, I just hope that more people recognize that and we'll, we'll well, well' we'll bring it up and we'll just realize what he's done. Yes, of course, you can you can cheer for him. you can you can enjoy him fighting, but you have to recognize the man that he he is and the issues that he's had. And what, what I'd like to see, like I've, I I don't know if we've ever even seen an apology of sorts for, for his behavior or uh, a concerted effort to change that would go a long way to changing uh, like my perception and other people's perceptions, but that it needs to happen.
1: He did apologize once for the yoga mat um, incident.
4: Okay. Fair enough. That's okay.
1: His behavior. I don't care that he apologized. I mean, I go to the gym quite often. I love the gym and I can't imagine if a man of his stature, his size, and then later to find out or to know he was a professional fighter got that angry with, and threw my stuff across the room i would have left i'm sure she was petrified and course, yeah, of course. Go, go, of
4: course. I mean, yeah like
1: i put on that like that's scary that resonates with me so and i think he'll do it again we'll hear his name in the news again just like kairos was saying so
4: speaking of kairos you're up close the show son
3: Is michael some- chandler can't stop getting in the middle of black people but Michael Chandler can't get out of his own way. Listen, someone put up a video on Twitter today. He had his, he ha- he had his little black ethnic brush in his hand and he's swiveling it up with swirls. And then this one guy was like, this is so wholesome. Look at Michael Chandler taking care of his little darky son, use them as a prop. No, they didn't say that. I'm just saying that they were just, okay. I'm he, just let me stop. That's not what he said. I mean, that's not what he said. He said, look at Michael Chandler spending quality time with his son. It's so cute. I love it. Meanwhile, he's using his son as a prop. And I was sitting there and people like, that's so great. And the black people comments said he's fucking up his kid's hair. And then of course, automatically the white people got back. But it's the thought that counts. Look at what he did. He went out of his way. He went out of his way to research about his son to get the brush and start brushing his hair. I was like, if research is so important, why didn't he research how to brush his fucking kid's hair with that brush? Oh, if he loves his son so much And he cares about his well-being as a black person How long does it take to Google for fucking 30 seconds How to brush someone's hair See, it's, it's shit like this That gets me thinking that he's just used this kid as a prop They constantly use these children as props And for those of you who come at in come with the Well, he changed his life His life would have been a lot better no, he, no, it won't be No, it won't be Because looking at the way that his family's raising him He's going to be the stereotypical black person Who does not know that they're black He's not fucking saving him from anything. He's, in fact, being a detriment to his future and present right now. So I'm sick and tired of y'all trying to write. Ra- and you think it's you think it's not that big of a deal because it's his fucking hair. It is a big deal because that's a part of who he is as a person. That's his fucking identity. That's bro, like it's the simple. The small stuff leads to larger things. So you have to ask yourself if he couldn't dedicate 30 seconds to Google to just see how to brush his own child's fucking hair. How much time is he dedicating to enlightening? his child, about who he is, where he comes from, where he is in society, and how society has treated us, is treating us, and is going to treat us. I promise you those conversations aren't being had. I promise you if we look at where his kid is, he's in some private school in some prep town having cotton thrown in his locker and being called the N-word. It's probably stuff, I promise you this, he is not being raised as well as y'all think he's being raised. And it's not your fault for not realizing that, not knowing it, but it's your fault for sitting here and trying to tell people they're wrong about it, about some shit that you don't even know about and we are
2: going with Michael Morgan.
3: What do you think about this goddamn situation?
2: Put it this way, we kind of touched on it when the whole debacle of Black History Month rolled around and we had uh, the poster boy for Black History Month, Michael Chandler, being trotted out. It's, I think you are correct when you say, look, His child is not getting the grounding, his child is not getting the base, his his child's not getting the start that is necessary for a black child, especially living in America. But to his credit, at least, at the very least, he looks as though he is made of malleable material, and that is Michael Chandler, that he would put himself out to go and do that. But this is not it. This is not the best start. I'm i am worried, I'm worried for the child's future because the America that I see and the America that you guys tell me about, I'm going on two things here in terms of what I see on the TV, what I see in the media, what I hear on Twitter and what I hear from conversations of you or from you is a harsh place, is an unforgiving place. And that type of grounding, that type of start is necessary, is mandatory. And I feel as though Michael Chandler needs to make that priority instead of what seems to be the priority. And that is, I know it's harsh to say it, but the prop aspect of this seems to be given more prominence as opposed to this is the research that I have learned. And let me show what I have learned. Doesn't seem to be any research being learned. Doesn't seem to be any research being showed.
4: Do you really think that he's using his son just like as as, as a prop I I don't I I, I I understand why 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 that notion is being bandied about and why some people might think that but do you also well well are we just talking about the the, the hair instance or just him putting his son out out there front and center Him.
3: the hair been, is a small issue it's him okay. no no, no yeah. okay
4: just
1: okay. um, okay. there There are other, um, Nicholas Dalby has a black daughter. There are other fighters that have black children in the UFC and they choose not to make a thing about having a black child. Mm -hmm. And when they do post them on social network, they just look like normal families. We don't really need to see a white guy not knowing how to comb his kid's hair and ruining his hairline and also just causing, We, I mean, as black people, we all knew what was up. We was like, damn, you adopted a black child and you don't even know how to comb his hair. And here's another thing. For people that are uncultured, don't really know anything outside of their race and always surrounded by their own race, black people, we all bonded on that. We all looked at that and was like, oh, God, here we go again. Y'all going to adopt a child and y'all don't know anything about it. We already know that they're not doing anything to teach him about being Black by that snippet of a video. And here's the thing about that too, as Black people, we discuss this online. And what did I see? Fellow MMA fans, white fans, like, is it racist for him to comb his hair like this? And I just started to get mad and it plays into my own trauma. Michael Chandler, please stop exploiting your child because we're just having unnecessary conversations. Black people don't wanna see you making a mockery of another of a Black child and exploiting them. And I don't feel like having conversations with white people about let Black people discuss this. You don't even know nothing about adopting Black children. Now you have an opinion about it because you see Black people discussing it. Hey, how about this, Michael Chandler? Leave it the fuck out of MMA. You know how they say leave politics out of it? Stop putting your Black kid out here like some fucking prop because I'm tired of like looking out for your child when you're not even looking out for him you know what I'm saying I'm tired of arguing for this kid and being like black people are not props fuck you Michael Chandler and stop doing it but go ahead but
4: to, to play devil's advocate and to a certain extent I agree I, I agree with this but do you not th- just think it's also a man that's playing like the, the loving father or we wouldn't be saying this if it was his, his white child though that he's putting up on social media that th- this frequently I-
1: I disagree. I disagree. When Cowboy was walking around with his son, like Cowboy dad, there are people that were like, that shit is corny, including Nate Diaz. So some people are here for MMA and some people like the family aspect, but there are fans that are like, yo, chill, even Nate Diaz said something. So I don't know if that's entirely true, but I know as a black woman, I'm uncomfortable with what Michael Chandler is doing. And there's other fighters that have black children and they choose not to do this. And Chandler is making a habit of this. He, They didn't learn from the the the, um, the debacle of the, the, you know, what was it? The black, black history.
2: And that's where I come in because <laughs> that's what triggered me. It was that event. And then this seems to be a continuance of it. Why do yeah. we need to see it? Why does it have to be front and center? Why is it not you, the athlete? as a father, as opposed to here's my black child and I'm the father. That doesn't kind of like chime with me. Like I say, perhaps, maybe it is this that I'm still quite um, triggered by that whole front and center aspect of his child being in Black History Month and that was the connection to black history. Maybe it's just that, but I can see where G's coming from. I can see where Kairos is coming from because as a father myself, I know that wouldn't be the narrative that I'd be pushing. I wouldn't be pushing yeah. my children front, left and centre. It will be, I think, the, the way that I look at it is, perhaps I do need to take a step back because that whole event was triggering and I can't get that out of my mind. But then this seems to be amplifying it is what I'm saying.
1: I find the hair combing thing triggering too, because it's like I've gone to school and you see the kid that's adopted by white kids and his he look crazy, he dressed crazy, he talked crazy, he all know he's black. I want to see this shit in MMA and, and stop using the kid as a goddamn prop. You can make him a part of your family. We can see him in the embedded playing with the other kids or the dogs and he's in your house. But to just put him front and center and look at me combing his hair all crazy, getting black people all upset, Come on, and then on top of it, now you you allow us to have opinions on it, and now that you know all these black people are seeing it, we're discussing it. Learn how to be, uh, learn how to assimilate your child to American culture, prepare him for racism, and let him know that he's black. And it's just, I don't want to have these discussions when I'm watching MMA. But.
4: I'd I'd like to I'd like to think that obviously that him and his his wife are aware that they will have to they will have to do that. Obviously, they won't have the the, the perspective to to do that properly because it, it's like me trying to say that I I'm well versed in the the struggles of Asian Americans or whatever I'm not obviously or from okay either.
3: but are, did you adopt an Asian American child though
4: no 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 no, no I'm I'm, I'm, just, That's I'm, what I'm, I'm saying. Just, like okay no I get what you <laughs> I get I get I get the point that that you're that you're trying to say but I'm just saying you would you would hope that that they do that but they or you'd hope that they get some. Well, I, I don't want to say that they just go to like a black friend or what, or what have you, but you hope. good to- shit. Yes. I think
1: they should, they need to do No, whatever. yeah no,
4: not, I mean that, but I just hope they, they just don't go, Oh, well, I don't, I don't know anything. Let, let me just leave them with you or whatever. But I think yeah. that they need to have conversations with, with um, the people from the African-American community that they know. So then they can one, help prepare their son then he should be at the forefront of of their mind when it comes to this and also prepare themselves because they themselves will not know what 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 it's like until well i'm sure they do to a certain extent right now but until he gets older until he starts getting stopped by the police for no goddamn reason and when they're fearing for him coming driving home from from well even from school or what have you uh yeah I, i know what you mean you just i just hope that they do they do the right thing and that they try to immerse them in, in in the culture. Yes, being Black isn't, the, the culture isn't just being from the hood or what, or what have you, or hip hop or whatever. It's the daily struggles that we go through. Like exactly. the, the, the sitting next to sitting next to an, an elderly white person and then somebody taking the bag, they're, they're holding their back, clutching their back close to them. But my you thing is just, to be told to them.
1: Anger, but why are they pushing the narrative? Like we just heard Michael say, he still has PTSD. <laughs> from the the Black History Month debacle. Mm. Michael Chandler is online the same way we are. I'm sure he saw the backlash in the conversation. And then what do you do today? You post that video? And then again, not that it's the same backlash, but people are talking, especially people of color. So- I
4: get get that.
1: They're consistently doing this. And that's, I think, the issue that Kairos and I have with this. And it's also- I don't want to formulate opinions about their child. It's none of my business if they don't want to assimilate him properly into his own African American culture. Just, just stop doing it, and and we won't talk about it, and stop triggering people. It's- I get it, it's- I get
4: it, but at the same time, like as, as I said, like I, I I agree with large portions of yours and in, Cyrus's in uh, uh, arguments, but people would just say it's just a loving father posting. It's just the same as Connor posting his child and and what have you. It's going to be a fine balancing act between them. I'm sure they they do are are thinking now, but like, oh, well, if I post this, will I just be seen as as charting as out our, our black son yeah. you, and it, it's, it's a shame that they're they're in that situation but they're just going to have to manage it they're going to have to be more thoughtful and uh, yeah that,
3: now, like, like them, said. and they can suck my dick it's not a shame that they're in that situation it's a shame that they went out of their way to grab someone and not indoctrinate them into their own culture that they're used to stop getting black children and not telling them that they're black and not showing them that they're black and not educating them on things that are black but you Do you can't see say me grabbing a Nigerian yeah, yeah. child right now, age 25 yeah. years of age, and not letting them know about where they come from? What the fuck? It doesn't matter if you're white, adopted black, or I'm black, adopted some white, or Native American, or Indian, or Irish. Why are you not educating them? Why are you not educated before doing You are a detriment to them. You are not caring for them. You are not making their life better. You are ruining them for the future. They are going to have serious identity crisis. This is why you see black people out here who are colors. This is why you see people like Candace Owens. This is why you got people out there working for, like, this is that, you guys want to explain why that's, that? why there's people like that out there? This is exhibit A, exhibit B and exhibit C. And all these parents out here and all these people out here who are trying to excuse and say, well, he just wants to, he just wants to share his child with social media. Motherfucker research before you do some stupid shit like that. Next for Mother's Day next year, they're gonna have Michael Chandler up there talking about how great of his wife is about having women up here like bro, cut it out. I don't care what they think they're wrong. They're wrong. It doesn't I don't give a fuck about your opinion on the subject. It's like that saying where people say don't care because you're white. This is one of those signs.
1: That's a black kid. We don't give a fuck what you think you're white. Exactly. And I think when you say things not you Chisanga per se, but I think when you say things like he's just being a loving father. Mm um you're just saying that because race is involved you're not holding him i get that that you would hold a white child if this was the other way around if a black parent was exploiting a black kid and white people were offended they'd want his neck but yet we cannot be that way you know what i'm saying it's i know i I completely get that also the standards in which you hold fathers i had someone like at least he combs his kid's hair and i was like That's his fucking kid. He should be combing. We give props for combing hair. Are you kidding me? But when it's a black child, you make excuses for, well, at least he combs his hair. No, he's combing his hair improperly because he hasn't put in the time to research what it takes to raise and nurture a black child. And that's what black people are fussing about. And I'd like for us not to discuss this, Michael Chandler, if you could just stop doing this and maybe listen to the backlash of people like me and people getting upset about this, you know? So no, I get, I, 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 get that. I just, you know, no, 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 can be, know, I, I
4: completely understand. That, no, I'm, I was just playing, playing devil's advocate. I was just saying that, look, yeah. well, but and with, with regards to, to what Kairos is saying, like, I don't think that, well, one we hope that he's they are they're doing the bare minimum when it comes to educating him about who he is and where he where he comes from. But I don't think we can fully say that they are not doing that because we haven't seen the the product of that the child. It'd say like if we, the child was fifteen or whatever, and the identity crisis was was clear and evident, I'd completely agree with that with that uh, your sentiment. I agree with it to a certain extent, but I mean, there's there's still time. We just hope that
3: that he, he doesn't end up turning into that. The, it's too that late, game. bro. I'm going to tell you why it's too late. It too late. The, the time is done. It's already all it takes. All it takes is for you to be under something like that for a year, two years. It doesn't take it. You don't need to be under for 21 years, two years. So look at Diego Sanchez under Joshua Popper for how long? Two, three years. That's all it fucking yep, takes. And for him to get pulled out of it, You almost have to force yourself out of it. They're like, all right, well, now I'm going to an HBCU. Now I'm only hanging out with, like, you have to physically and actively force yourself out of it. I had a pretty good upbringing myself. And still, I had to deal with identity crisis just by being around white people. Like, I went to a private school only for two years. And after getting out of that, like, it took me forever to realize, oh, my goodness, look at what happened. I got called the N-word more times than I could count more yeah. times like yeah, that's when me going to a private school but soon yeah, like bro come on bro it's that's all it takes i'm just like all these people i wish i could show you what i've seen and what i know from my experience and i have black parents
4: yeah no no so
3: I'm, imagine what the I'm, fuck it's like for someone who has white parents
1: i kairos i feel like you speak for me as well we have similar um upbringings as far as growing up in white communities going to schools in white communities and also being called the n-word from a very young age and i think that's why i find this so triggering you know and i think that's why because i have seen these kids that grow up and they don't know who they are because they were adopted by a different race or kids that come to these schools and change and later on have a wake up call. So it's a bit triggering for us, you know, and we've had our own experiences with racism and we've had a a bit more than most people. And that is why, like, I'm begging Chandler to just kind of cool it. You're triggering people. That's why people are talking and talking and talking about this. And then on black people are discussing it. And then you're rallying up racist fans. I was dismayed to see someone like, Oh, is it racist to talk about this? Let black people talk about these things. But, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to turn into a jerk. Like, I'm, I almost understand the leave the politics out of it, MMA. Now I'm like, can we leave this shit out of it, please? Like,
4: yeah. is this no, coming I get that, you know? but we, we just hope that, well, it looks like they're taking fantastic care of the child in, in terms of I, I don't know whether, the, whether the, well, where the child was, if they'd gone from home or what have you, but from the outside looking in, it looks like as if the child is having a good life, but we just hope that He gets the the education that that he needs. The education that he needs. I mean, is he's never going to have the chat? You know, the chat that you you, we had with our elders, everybody that raised us, Mm. never going to have that chat where they tell you that you're treated different because of because of the melanin in your skin. And but it's still. I mean, they could have the chat, but the chat is not going to resonate anywhere near as much as if it's coming from 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 your your skin folk. And I'm not saying that. And I'm not by any means saying or suggesting the Chandler shouldn't have uh, adopted him. They, if they wanted to adopt him, give him a, a better life in terms of what you know, comparison to what he was dealing with beforehand. Yes, you can, but ugh, it's. I, I just hope that they they. They do their research and any African-American fa- friends or f- uh, family that they have or well, family that they might have or, or friends that they have that they call upon them to educate the child of the struggles that you're going to go through in life.
2: Ending on MMA. <laughs> <laughs> UC 262 this coming Saturday. Before we actually get into this, because I just wanted to ask and do, do, do a quick roundtable as to what are the runners and riders that you're actually interested in. I will be running a space with my man, Mark DiCasey, Mark the Bone Crusher DiCasey, who um, returns to action uh, fairly soon in the coming months. He'll be joining me in Twitter space and breaking news. You probably saw me um, looking at my phone as we were just having the last bit of discussion there. Brendan Loughnane has won the poll in terms of who people want to see alongside Mark Diakasey. He's coming off an incredible first round finish in PFL. So he will be joining me as well on Saturday. It kicks off 9 p.m. GMT. We will be there for about an hour and uh, all you have to do in order to access spaces and to see me in it and to and to take part in the discussion is just follow me on Twitter. So we'll see you there alongside Mark Diocchese and Brian Brendan Loftane. But getting back to UFC 262, I'm particularly looking forward to Tony Ferguson's return and I really want to see where he is with um, his clash with Benil Darouche, because I feel as though I've been unjust in writing him off. I feel as though I've been unkind in saying, perhaps, you know, the man is kind of being built up as this boogeyman, the El Kikui thing I bought into, the whole untouchable uh, creature of the night. And um, I just want to see if he's got back to that, because for a while I've been dissing him for a while. I feel as though um, I've drunk the Kool-Aid. So I'm really, really keen to see where we're at with um, El Kakui, Mr. Ferguson. How about you guys? Who are you looking forward to? I'm going to start with G.
1: Um, I'm looking forward to just a really fun fight and an action filled fight that I'm Shane Burgos versus Edson or-
4: <laughs> Oh, Lord.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just think it's going to be violent. I can't yeah. wait. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. There's no way this is a boring fight. I feel comfortable saying that. And I really look forward to seeing if Edson can, um, piece up Shane because Shane's defense is kind of lackluster, but Shane has hands and was not going to, you know fall apart when ensign touches them up so i think we're just gonna have so much fun with this
4: yeah that's gonna be a great fight i'm looking forward to yeah. oh sorry i'm looking forward to the land of an and mike grundy fight mike grundy is our brit abroad this weekend i don't believe there's anybody other brits competing abroad this weekend but yeah so i'm, I'm looking forward to, to that fight mike is coming off the last two uh what's the kid's name Mosar evaluev you know yeah I, I don't know if he's russian or whatever but he's 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 a, a
3: impressive,
4: impressive guy he's really really good but as as g said as well hurricane shane against edson looking forward to that and obviously the main event i mean it's stylistically i think this is one of the toughest matchups for chandler in in the division i've i really do i mean charles alavera striking has come on leaps and bounds i mean that fight card uh Brasilia against Kevin Lee. The performance he put on and the striking that he showed uh, that forced Kevin Lee to shoot for a takedown. Like I mean, it's uh, I mean, yeah, people are underestimating Charles Oliveira, Charlie Olive's going into this one. But I'm also looking forward to seeing where Tony is at. I mean, if 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 he loses, man, like well, he's he's not going to get cut. Tony, they won't cut Tony Ferguson off a off, on a three fight losing streak because Bellator would snap him up in a heartbeat and would take his legion of fans with him. But you'd struggle to see where, where he would go from a scenario like this. I mean, well, dare I say it, they could, they could do a, a Donald Soroni-Tony Ferguson rematch after, after if Tony was to lose. That wouldn't be a, a bad idea, but I'm looking forward to seeing where Tony is at. But against Benio Dariush, is Dariush not like on a set five or six fight win streak right yeah, now? Yeah, and he's looking the best he's ever looked. So <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's 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 a tough one, and I, I, I'm, I, picking,
1: I'm picking Derry.
4: Yeah, I'm picking Benio. Uh, I, it pains me to say it. I don't want to Be- say the era of the boogeyman is 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 gone, but I just think at this juncture of their careers, Benio's uh, taking less punishment. It is it, his game has evolved most most importantly over the last two or three years, whereas Tony's ha- hasn't really. Obviously, injuries played a large factor in that and inactivity. But, yeah, I'm going with uh, Benio Darius to get the job done.
3: Kairos. I like uh, Viviana Arujo versus uh, Chikagi, and I'm a huge Arujo fan. Um, as far as Tony and uh, Darius, I think he'll be okay in this matchup, you know. I'm not expecting him to get rolled over or even lose. I think he's I think he'll win two rounds to one um, or maybe get a finish. Uh and as far as Michael Chandler, he might not know how to raise a black kid, but he could fight. So I'm picking him in uh, overall Oliveira. Okay.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that wraps up this episode of Shots Fired. Again, just a, another plug. You can follow us all on Twitter. If you wanted to continue any of the talking points and get involved in our spaces. I'm at Mike Woe TV on Twitter and only on Twitter. I don't do the other cool kid stuff. TikTok and all that. A man who does That's- though kairos how can people get a hold of you continue the conversations and whatnot
3: if you want the best mma takes in the world on twitter hit me up at kairos mma too if you want the best mma related videos on tiktok hit me up at kairos mma or if you want the best instagram nods type of bullshit you can hit me up on IG at kairos mma as well on that get with it or get lost youtube's coming back too
4: <laughs> people i i will give Kairos' Instagram game, a shout out because the stories that you put up, oh man, they have me creasing. I was going through them. My, even my fiance caught some of them. And she's like, who is this guy that posts all this funny shit? So go follow my man Kairos on his platforms, especially his Instagram. Now, where's to find me, people? Just at
2: Chisanga underscore Malata on Instagram and on Twitter. Last but by no means least, G, how can people uh-huh. get a hold of you, join your spaces and whatnot?
1: oh it's pretty easy it's just just gina mma at twitter and that's it
2: okay on that note we will see you all at well we will see you all we'll hear you all on twitter spaces this coming saturday and enjoy the fights